You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, how is it going? It's your boy, your host, Sosa Kermenjas, as always. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome to another fresh week, another Monday episode here at the Locked On Rams podcast. I told you guys last week when we finished off on Friday, going to continue to try and pump out five episodes per week. So far, things are going good. Things are going strong. Today's episode is going to be another interesting one. So far, we still do have topics to cover. The first topic of the day, I want to dive into the quarterback discussion between Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff and how it pertains to the Rams in a fantasy football perspective. In the second segment, talking about a potential addition in a guard in David DeCastro, who was just released by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then in the final segment, we're going to go over the names in the PFF Top 50 that were finally unveiled. And I took my stab at trying to predict which Rams players might make it in an episode. I believe it was last week. So we'll see how many I got right and how many I got wrong. But we're going to dive into the first bit here. And this was pretty much brought up by Hayden Winks. You guys probably heard him a few weeks ago on the podcast. He broke down a pretty much barrage of what he thinks of the Rams in terms of fantasy football and things like that. He works at Underdog Fantasy. He put up a good chart on his Twitter, and obviously this is going to be hard for me to describe because it's a chart, but basically he has a chart here with every quarterback listed, and it's on-target throw rate in clean pockets. He's removing pressures and play actions and RPOs and pre-snap motion. So basically, just how accurate are these quarterbacks? And then on the x-axis, he's got the average depth of target. So how far downfield they're throwing, because obviously, if you're throwing two yard passes, you're probably going to complete a lot more passes than a guy who's throwing the ball 10 yards down the field every time. So this is a very interesting graph. And ironically enough, you probably guessed it. The average depth of target, the two quarterbacks that were the least on this entire list, Jared Goff, and Alex Smith, and I believe they fell both right in the 5.75 average depth of target range, which is obviously not very far down the field. Now, the difference between the two guys, Alex Smith had less than 80% of his throws on target, and Jared Goff with just a few ticks under 90%, so Goff was still significantly more accurate, even in those same circumstances, and at that same depth of target, which is obviously not very far, but I think that speaks to just how much the offense was limited last year, because For whatever reason, whether it was a schematic thing from Sean McVay, a play calling thing from Sean McVay, a lack of just wanting to push the ball deep or not being able to read defenses properly from Jared Goff, maybe a personnel thing because the offensive line wasn't good enough to hold up for five or seven step drops consistently. Maybe they didn't have the receivers that they thought could win downfield. Maybe it was a combination of all the things, which I think is probably what it was. And ultimately, it led Jared Goff to having the lowest A dot of any quarterback pretty much here in the NFL. And I'm sure he had this sample size limited a little bit, probably removing all the names that threw 10 or 15 or 20 passes last year. So of the quarterbacks that actually really played and actually threw some passes, Jared Goff had the lowest A dot. And I think that's really hurtful for the entire offense, the success of the offense. And it really showed in terms of their points per game because they fell out of the top 20 for the first time in Sean McVay's era even worse than that 2019 offense where I think a lot of people really started to sour 
on some of the pieces there on the offense. The Todd Gurley's, the offensive line. Jared Goff, was he worth paying at that point? Sean McVay, that was his first set of question marks really in his career when he missed a playoff. So that offense wasn't very good. And the one from last year was even worse than that. Now, I think that really does a good job of explaining just how much they fell off. Now, when you look at the new quarterback in Matthew Stafford, he's among the furthest throwing quarterbacks in the NFL. On this same chart, he is, I want to say maybe sixth or seventh, maybe eighth furthest. It's hard to tell. It seems like his average depth of target was somewhere in between 8.6 and 8.7. And the on-target rate was still well above 80%, closing in maybe on 82, 82.5%. So clearly a guy that is still very accurate. But not only that, he's going to push that ball downfield. And I think that's going to help open up a lot of the offense. Now, I'm lucky enough to work at PFF. So we do have the most extensive database here. And I'm looking at our numbers in specific. And I dwindled this down to only quarterbacks with 100 attempts or more. So we're removing all the tiny sample sizes from last year. And you look at the average depth of target. And this does also remove screens, play actions, and RPOs. The average depth of target, Matthew Stafford comes in fifth, well, tied for fifth with Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos at 10 and a half yards per attempt. And that is obviously a very far figure, a very large figure. You look at Jared Goff, and this is probably going to be hard to believe, but he ranked 33rd at 8.3. He was not even in the top 32. Like the Jaguars had two quarterbacks here above Jared Goff. The Eagles had two quarterbacks here above Jared Goff. His average depth of target was lower than some backup quarterbacks that actually played because like I said, I dwindled down the sample sizes here, removing all the guys with less than 100 attempts. So clearly guys that actually played a little bit. That honestly kind of seems hard to believe, but when you look at the NFL passer rating, and again, this is the same sample size, same removal of screens, play actions, RPOs, Matthew Stafford still ranks pretty highly, 13th in NFL passer rating with 94.7. Jared Goff, not too far behind at 21st with 87.5. So I think they're pretty comparable in some degree, but at the same time, you look at the personnel for the Lions last year, you look at the receivers, they didn't have Kenny Galladay for 12 games, they didn't have a couple other guys, they were starting Mohamed Sanu after signing him one week, they started Quintus Cephas, a late round pick, starting all these different guys that ultimately, it was a makeshift offense and Stafford still had significantly better numbers than Jared Goff and I think this kind of ties back into the whole fantasy football perspective of, I think this does raise the floor and potential ceiling of guys like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, really any receiver or tight end that plays with the Rams right now that's going to get the pleasure of catching passes from Stafford because the further downfield you're throwing the ball, the more chances you're going to have at creating big plays, potential touchdowns, things of that nature. We always see a good, strong correlation between average depth of target and production in terms of fantasy points and things like that. So I do anticipate that this is ultimately going to be a good thing for the real-life offense. Sean McVay, obviously, what he can do in the lab and things like that but also the fantasy football landscape for the Rams here. I think this is going to have a lot more production for guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, maybe on a fewer amount of targets, but at the same time, they can really recreate that same type of yardage total or you know production by way of actually catching the ball further downfield and creating big plays as opposed to catching 90 or 100 or 120 passes, whatever the case is. So you now need less opportunities to create the same amount of yardage. And I do think that this is going to help pull away, you know, box defenders, things like that. It's going to make Cam Akers' job easier. Probably the offensive line 
I think this addition is just such a big addition for the Rams, obviously in real life, but not only that, also in fantasy football, I think this is going to be such a good pairing, and it's ultimately going to lead to a higher ceiling and a higher floor for everyone in that offense. Now, they might not have enough players in that offense that are going to see a very, very solidified, insane target share or target rate or something like that because they have so many weapons that are going to spread that wealth. But at the same time, I think these are the exact type of offenses that I'm always trying to, you know, find my way or find pieces that I can grab, whether that's early in the draft or late in the draft, because the biggest, most explosive offenses, those are the ones you want pieces of. You're looking at the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Rams, all these type of offenses. They're going to score a lot. They're going to be very productive and they're going to be able to sustain production for a lot of their pieces. And I think that's one of the interesting aspects here of adding Matthew Stafford to this offense. The only one thing that I could see them potentially struggling with is that offensive line. That's what we're going to dive into. Why maybe the Rams should make their case for signing David DeCastro, the former guard of the Pittsburgh Steelers in free agency as he was just released. And while we've got you, you can come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP and the page at Locked on Rams. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs are closing up and nearly getting to an end. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Monday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. And I left off with a very interesting take that I think you guys are going to like because everyone here seems to enjoy free agent talk and myself included because the thought of potentially improving your team is always a very enticing one. Everyone wants to field the best possible roster. And that is why I think the Rams should go look at surprise cut guard David DeCastro, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This guy is one of the premier guards in football. Now, he has slowed down a little bit most recently in this past season, but we're talking about a guy that's been in the NFL for nearly a decade now, I believe about eight seasons. He's made the Pro Bowl six times every single year from 2015 onward, and he's been a two-time first-team All-Pro in the NFL. Clearly a guy that has a lot of quality in the past, but not only that, this guy is most definitely going to be better from day one, in my opinion, than current right guard Bobby Evans. DeCastro played right guard last season, nearly 16 games, I believe, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 13, I guess he must have been hurt. I don't know for sure, but he's played in 15 games or more nearly every single season of his career and only one season, his very first season in the NFL in 2012 as a rookie, did he play in less than 13 games. So clearly a guy that has the stability to start a lot of games. He's been pretty healthy. And like I mentioned, he's been a very, very good player. Now I'm looking at the PFF grades as well. It turns out that he was just as good prior to some of those Pro Bowl seasons because these numbers are impressive. 2013, 81.5 PFF grade. 2014, 77.9. 2015, 82.9. 2016, 84.7. 2017, 89.0. 2018, 74.8. 2019, 71.1. And this past season in 2020, a 66.2 overall PFF grade. So obviously it fell off a little bit, but 
I don't know what the exact reason for that was. Maybe a little bit of offensive line changes. It could have been, you know, some differences there up on the offensive line. I think they might have even switched offensive line coordinators, kind of like the Rams are doing right now. Ben Roethlisberger, not the same quarterback he used to be. You look at DeCastro playing in only 13 games, could have been injured in multiple other games. So there's many reasons why this grade might have fallen off a little bit, but he's a guy that's still only 31, 31 and a half years old right now. So going into his 32 age season here, I think he's got a lot of quality left in him. And even if he doesn't, you're still looking at a guy, in my opinion, that he's got to be significantly better than Bobby Evans, I would think, because Bobby Evans has never played guard in the NFL. He's never really started games in the NFL. I think he might have started one game for the Rams this past season in the playoffs, and he's never really played on the right side in the NFL either. He has always been a left tackle going back to his days at Oklahoma, and if there's one area of concern for the Rams, it's always going to come back to the offensive line for me. The quarterback, Matthew Stafford, He's had some injury issues over the course of his career. You want to keep this guy as healthy as possible. You look at the running game. How can you make your running game better? You can improve your offensive line. You have two good running back pieces in Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Those guys are going to create, but they can only get what the offensive line will block for them. So if your offensive line is subpar, you're probably not going to have a great running game. Now, I'm not saying the Rams running game is going to be subpar, But what I am saying is it's very hard for running backs to overcome a bad offensive line. And, you know, the Rams could lose one guy, theoretically, maybe two guys to injuries. It happens to a lot of teams every year. And if that's the case, who's going to step up? Because right now, the starting five, I think they're going to be solid. I think they're going to be okay. But you have question marks at center with Austin Corbett sliding there. You have question marks at right guard with Bobby Evans taking over Corbett's old job. And then Whitworth getting up there in age. I mean, one injury happens and all of a sudden, you know, you're looking backwards and thinking, maybe we don't have enough to get past, you know, this potential injury here. Or if another injury occurs, then you're really in trouble. And you could probably make the case that that's the same for every offensive line in the NFL, considering, you know, no offensive lines have five dominant players. I get that. But at the same time, you already have two question marks on your offensive line in their starting units. So probably a place that I would like to look to try and upgrade. And that's why I've talked about Throughout the whole offseason, adding guys like Larry Warford, a former teammate of Matthew Stafford, or, you know, some other guard options. I talked about it many times, even center options. Now, DeCastro randomly cut. I don't know why. There was some talk that he could potentially retire. So, you know, that might be a thing. I don't know. He might even retire before I release this episode. So that would be unfortunate. But if he doesn't anticipate on, you know, retiring right now, this could be a guy that somebody is going to pick up. Maybe he's not an elite level player anymore. Maybe he's not that same David DeCastro from 2015 where he was just abusing guys. But if he can be your, you know, 2019 version with a 71.1 grade, a stable player at that right guard spot, a guy who I think is going to fit this offensive line, their new maturity, their actual change in scheme, trying to go a little bit more power based, getting a little bit bigger and stronger, like Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic mentioned on here a few weeks ago. This guy's six foot five and 316 pounds. He is a big, strong, physical guard. I think the addition makes so much sense. And it appears that the Rams still do have some cap space. According to Over the Cap, they should have just under $7 million available right now. I don't know how updated this figure is, if it includes the whole rookie class or any of the rookies, maybe half of the rookies. I'm not exactly sure, but it does seem that the Rams do have some money left over. So if they can find a way to swing just one more veteran addition, 
I really think they could take this team over the top and be a lot more safe in terms of their range of outcomes with what may happen in an NFL season. 17 games, a lot of random things happen. We're talking injuries, you know, guys maybe developing, guys maybe taking a step back and regressing. Whatever the case is, I think if you can just try to give yourself the best 53-man roster going into next season, you have to take that shot because you're looking at a team right now that is prepared to make a run for the Super Bowl. And if that is the case, you're going to need players that are going to last 17 games, guys that are going to be able to step up in the playoffs because ultimately you're going to be asking your guys to play 20, maybe 21 games next year. And if that's the case, man, it's going to be hard to really, really look at a roster and expect a lot of that roster, if not the whole roster, you know, all the important pieces to last that long. While the offensive line may be a question for the Rams, the defensive side, especially that defensive line, not so much, which is why we're going to spend the final segment diving into PFF's top 50 players right now heading into next season. And I think you guys may know who is on that list. But while we've got you, make sure to check back in with us here at the Locked on Rams podcast for the remainder of this week while we continue to break down the Rams going into training camp. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. Throughout that time, I was looking for the best protein bar, the best protein company, and finally found one called the Built Bar. I'm telling you guys, there is nothing quite like it. They have so many delicious flavors. They're also super delicious. They're healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you on a keto diet, and the texture is unlike any other protein bar I've ever tried. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you should absolutely check out RockAuto.com for your service needs. RockAuto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years years you heard me correctly two decades we know there's no better time than right now to support family-owned businesses with this covid stuff we got going on so if you can i try and urge you to do that if you're a person who likes to fix things yourself or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices you should check out rock auto all you have to do is just go to their website and check out all their available parts if your car needs it there's a good chance that they've got it amazing selections reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and write locked on in their how did you hear about us so they know that we sent you get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast host peter bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts welcome back to the final segment of this monday episode another fresh week here with me your host sosa cremenges i appreciate you guys for making it this far into the episode and we are going to dedicate this last segment to diving into pff's top 50 players in the nfl right now and i took a stab at trying to predict which rams may land on this roster or this top 50 last week i believe it was and i had four players two of them were shoo-ins Defensive tackle Aaron Donald, who I said was going to be number one, I believe, and cornerback Jalen Ramsey, who I think I said was going to be the number one cornerback and also in the top six, maybe the top eight in the top 10 for sure. And then there were two more variables or, you know, question marks, and that was left tackle Andrew Whitworth and cornerback Darius Williams. And I said both of those guys would also make it on a whim. And unfortunately for those last two, they did not make the list. And 
Now when I look at the list, I'm not exactly surprised. I mean, you look at some of the later players, the number 46th player, Ronnie Stanley, the tackle from the Baltimore Ravens, number 45, Stephon Diggs, wide receiver from Buffalo, number 49, Levante David, the linebacker from Tampa, number 50, Dak Prescott. Clearly, I underestimated just how many good players there are in the league, and that is why Whitworth and ultimately Darius Williams did not make it. I'm going to guess that maybe Sam, PFF Sam, my colleague at PFF, is expecting that maybe just a small smidge of a drop-off for Whitworth going into next season or Darius Williams just not having a couple of years worth of that reputation of being a good cornerback or you know two or three or four seasons worth of actual production. So that might be something that held them out of this list. I'm not 100% sure on the reasoning. There was a former Ram on here, John Johnson the third, coming in at number 41, who is now obviously a Cleveland Browns player. But the two players that did make this list for the Rams, ironically enough, are the ones that I said were going to be the ones that made it, two of the four at least. Cornerback Jalen Ramsey coming in at second or the lower of the two. He came in at number 16 on this list, which was not in the top 10 like I expected or suggested would happen. And it was not the top cornerback spot either, which I should have known because a lot of my colleagues at PFF do prefer Jair Alexander of the Green Bay Packers just ever so slightly. Now, you know, there's no bias or no consensus opinion. Everyone's got their own opinion. And I tend to think that Jalen Ramsey is better. But in this one, they do have Jair Alexander above. And that's, you know, like I mentioned, written by PFF Sam, Sam Monson. So, you know, Jalen Ramsey coming in at number 16 almost seems like a little bit underrated. I mean, we're talking about a top five defensive player in the NFL right now, probably, I would guess in my opinion, or, you know, in most people's opinions, the best corner in the NFL, a true game changer. And Sam does mention that in here, in his write-up, he said he allowed 11 or fewer receiving yards in eight games last season. In three more, he allowed just 22 yards over the game, despite facing the opposing offense's number one receiver more often than not, and allowing the rest of the Rams secondary to concentrate on the lesser receiving threats. Ramsey is a game changer in coverage who makes an entire secondary better because of the knock-on effect of the easier assignments he creates for others. And that pretty much sums it up perfectly. You're not talking about just a tremendous player who is good in coverage and can create turnovers and can pretty much shadow a number one receiver. You're talking about a guy that is so good and so elite and so willing to take on the best threat every time that he's going to make everyone else's job easier therefore elevating the play of a lot of other players. And those are the true special elite blue chip players in this league. Not the guys who are going to show up and show out for themselves, but the guys who actually improve the play of everyone around them. Those are special players. That takes us into number one on this list. And I think we all know who this is. Defensive tackle Aaron Donald, the best player in the NFL. I loved it. I love it. I've mentioned it so many times on this podcast. He is the best player in the NFL. If we're talking, you know, quarterbacks and value and things like that, of course, a quarterback is going to be more valuable, right? We're talking about Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers, whoever. If we're talking the best talent, the best player, no value included, no MVP type of, you know, award included. You're just literally looking at the best talent, the best performer at wherever they play Aaron Donald is that guy, and that is why I love him at number one here. You look at the write-up, it says, no matter how good you think Aaron Donald is, you're probably underselling it. The Los Angeles Rams star is an outlier, the likes of which we haven't seen in 15 years of grading at the NFL level. He is a unicorn in a league full of physical freaks and talented superstars. Donald led the league in total pressures last season with 98, the third time in four seasons he's led the category. 
He is the only full-time interior defender we have ever seen lead the league in pressure since J.J. Watt played more snaps on the edge than the interior in the two seasons he led the league in pressure. Donald's biggest perceived weakness is the run game, but he has been the best graded interior lineman against the run over the last three seasons. Shout out to ESPN for claiming that he was a liability in the running game. I still don't know how they came up with that. Good on them for, I guess, going against the grain, even though they're wrong. This write-up was perfect. I think it encapsulates what Aaron Donald does the best. He is a true, legitimate, game-changing threat as a pass rusher. He is unstoppable in that regard. That's where he makes his money. That's where he makes his hay. That's where he got his three DPOY Defensive Player of the Year awards. That's where he's going to get his gold jacket crafted and why. But when you look at his productivity in the running game, you're also talking about a guy that is a legitimate three-down player, a guy that is a complete player and the best player in the NFL, which is why he is the very deserving number one ranked player in the league by Sam Monson going into the NFL next season in the NFL right now, whatever you want to call it. This guy is the best player in the league and deservedly so. I think Rams fans, we got to do a better job of just appreciating how great this guy is. And I think that everyone does. But when we look back in 10, 15, 20 years, there's a good chance that we really watched the best defensive tackle, the best defensive player to ever play in the NFL, which is why I so badly want the Rams to get back in the playoffs and go far in the playoffs and ultimately win this guy a ring because we want to see this type of talent on the biggest stages. And not only that, we want his name enshrined in the Hall of Fame as a Super Bowl winner, as many places as you could possibly get it. The truly special Aaron Donald comes in at number one. Therefore, I got two out of four names right on the PFF Top 50 you know, the two givens. So I'm going to give myself a D minus grade on this one. They were the two givens. I didn't nail any other players and, and, you know, I got two more wrong. So clearly not a great job on my part, but it is always fun to get to cover these types of articles. So that was the end of this segment and the end of the episode. As always, I appreciate you guys for listening to another episode here. Make sure to check back throughout the rest of the week when we continue our offseason coverage for the Rams. We're probably going to dive into our positional preview series going into training camp. And just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter at QBsMEP and at LockedOnRams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.